It's 11.30 on Wednesday, the 24th day of March, which means it's time for Midday. Tyler Cavalli along with you. The whole gang is here. Jason Jorgensen is in sports. So tell us the great news if you're a Husker fan. Coming up in just a little bit, Bob Rogan will tell us how stocks performing. Everything looks like it's trending upward, at least for now. And uh, we'll hear more about uh, the rain amounts that we received in the regional ag weather update with Paul Perkins. That's coming up in about 15 minutes or so. But let's catch up with Susan Littlefield to give us a preview of what's to come here on midday. And uh, Susan, did you get a final total of rain amounts from uh, yesterday? Well, I looked at the rain gauge uh, from one of the neighbors, and it was definitely over five inches. I posted some pictures. I think you actually liked it I did. on Twitter. I, I posted some pictures of the water just within um, a two-mile radius of our farm. So there's a lot of water. And our dry creek bed is running pretty heavy right mm, now. So, mm. yeah, it's raining right now, though. So, Are you finally getting some sunshine? Home. No, we don't know what that is. <laughs> Well, we can tell you about it. It's uh, glorious here in our neck of the woods. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Well, what can you uh, tell us about what's coming up on Midday today? Well, a lot of excitement is building. Uh, Kim Redden joins us. She is with the Colorado Corn Administration. As E15 and the National Corn Growers Association continue to talk about the benefits of E15, just recently this month, the state, um, actually the community of Kansas City, has E15 year-round. So she talks about what all that means to not only the consumers, but the environment and our corn producers as well. Not such good news coming out of the state of Colorado as the PAUSE Act continues to move forward. They're trying to get 125,000 signatures to get Petition 16 on the ballot for 2022. I speak with fellow farm broadcaster Lori Boyer as we look in-depth at the PAUSE Act and really what that's going to mean for agriculture. One of the things in this um, proposition You would not be allowed to put a tube down a calf or a lamb's throat to save their Mm. life. Mm. We'll talk more about, yeah, we'll talk more about that at 1245. And then I'll wrap up everything at 117. As this is a multiple part series that we're going to talk about, it's a tough topic. It's dealing with our veterinarians and suicide. The numbers, unfortunately, are picking up across the country. So we'll learn more about that at 117. All right. Some interesting topics coming up uh, during midday. Should be informational as well. Thank you very much, Susan. Thank you. All right, let's turn things over to Jason Jorgensen in sports. And, boy, some great news put out by the Big Ten today. Yeah, fans will be allowed at events. Uh, that means uh, starting this weekend for Nebraska baseball and softball. We'll get the thoughts of head coach Will Bolt about that. Now, in terms of numbers of fans, they've not yet narrowed that down yet. Also, they will start with season ticket holders first. Mm-hmm single-game tickets only, and what this basically means is there will be fans there for the spring football game on May 1st. It's a step in a, a direction where we're able to get back to a little normalcy, if you if you will, in terms of attending sporting events, and uh, some great news there. So let's see what happens, I guess, going into the fall and summer. Folks are pretty happy. That's right. All right, very good. Let's turn things over to Bob Brogan. How are stocks performing on Wednesday? Stocks are moving higher, and they're being helped by a recovery in banks and industrial stocks. Bond yields steady after rising earlier this week. Meanwhile, a skyscraper-sized container ship is wedged mm. in Egypt's Suez Canal. Oops. Somebody <laughs> could possibly have to have some explaining to do. 
All right, thank you very much. We'll look forward to them getting unstuck. Here is Clay Pack. Hey, RVN went on the air during a blizzard. A lot has changed in the 70 years, but one thing hasn't. Our dedication to our listeners. Since 1951, KRVN has been busting through blizzards, and we're doing it again. This year, KRVN, The River, and Cami are giving you the opportunity to win a blizzard-busting Polaris 450 EPS. This ATV is brand new with front and back racks, and we're adding a go-light with remote control. It's a complete package for bad weather and good. Blizzard Buster is sponsored in part by The Home Agency, Homestead Bank, Your Journey, Your Bank, Member FDIC, Budkey Power Sports, North Platte, and Nebraska Land, Kansas Land, and Colorado Land Tire Group. From busting through snowdrifts during calving to riding the winter in the fall looking for that perfect buck, the Polaris is a workhorse that's also loaded for fun. Register at Budkey Power Sports North Platte, Homestead Bank, Lexington, and Cozad, and Max Shortstop, Lexington. See more registration locations at krvn.com. Time for regional ag weather update today. It's brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer. Paul Perkins back in the studio with us. And, well, Paul, some areas did see their March record get broken for their wettest month. Here in the month of March, uh, the Tri-Cities in particular. Yeah, especially yeah, right in central Nebraska, as of 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon, we were already at our wettest March on record. Uh, up to 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon in Grand Island, just over 8 inches of rain mm. had fallen this month, just under 8 inches in Hastings, and 6 and 2 thirds of an inch of rain had fallen in Kearney, and of course more fell in the late afternoon hours yesterday, so uh, further compounding those uh, rain totals. But yeah, the mar- wettest March on record mm. in not hard to believe with the big rain that we had last week, and then of course a good soaker this weekend uh, or early this week. And another chance later on this week that we could see some more rain. And mainly just a small chance as we head towards about Friday and Saturday. And if we do see any rain with that system, probably a trace to a quarter of an inch of rain. Uh, And then another system does move across the Southern Plains for early next week. But it looks like that will be well to our south. Now, I can't speak for our entire listing area looking at the radar, but it is nice to see the sun here in our neck of the woods. Yeah, it's, uh, still quite a bit of cloud cover about over about the northern two-thirds of Nebraska and also over the eastern third of Nebraska, basically just southwest to south-central Nebraska, enjoying mostly sunny to partly cloudy skies on it to nearby parts of west and central Kansas. But, yeah, quite a, still a bit of a cloud cover from about north parts of Columbus and points to the north and then that eastern third of Nebraska. Temperatures, they're, they're going to be decent. They're okay, uh, but I suppose that wind is kind of hindering it from warming up a, a lot as well. Yeah, been on the breezy side still with those winds. Not as strong, luckily, as yesterday with some north winds right now at about 15 to 30. That cloud cover currently holding the temperatures down into the mid temper 30s for the most part across the northern third of Nebraska. But then as you head towards about I-80 and points to the south into northern Kansas, our temperatures right now in the low to mid 40s. Temperatures today slightly cooler than normal with a mix of sun and clouds. Northerly winds staying on the breezy side as we sit in between high pressure pushing in from the west and low pressure exiting off towards the east. Some slight chances of rain start to arrive as soon as this afternoon in north central Kansas with another area of low pressure across the southern plains. Not looking to be a big system with this. Those rain chances increase slightly across the rest of Kansas tonight with some lesser chances in central and east Nebraska. In between systems, tomorrow will be a dry day, also slightly warmer and with less wind out of the south. The entire area could see a little more rain and even a few thunderstorms for Friday through Friday night. Another area of low pressure tracking to our south. Any of the rain amounts with that system 
likely to range from just a trace to a quarter of an inch. A ridge of high pressure builds east out of the plains for even warmer temperatures that look to be as much as 10 degrees above average by Sunday. Just ahead of a cold front on Monday, our daytime highs warming into the 70s. Temperatures in behind that front cool back to more seasonal levels on Tuesday. A good rainmaker for southern Kansas may need to be watched in case that does track a little more to the north, but right now it looks like most of it will stay south of us. The current long-term forecast starts off with seasonal to slightly above normal temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas the early half of next week. Warmer than normal temperatures are even more likely in Nebraska and Kansas late next week through April 6th, though. Good news if you're having some Easter plans and scheduling maybe an Easter egg hunt. A mostly dry outlook will continue in Nebraska and Kansas with below normal precipitation for this Sunday all the way through April 6th. Key weather factors affecting the markets include more rain in the central U.S. and weather staying the same across South America. Back-to-back storms over the upper Midwest and the southern Rockies will maintain unsettled weather across the southern plains into the Midwest the next few days. A lead storm crossing the upper Great Lakes tonight, while the second storm should reach the Mid-South by tomorrow and the lower Great Lakes by Friday. Another system this weekend heading to the easing of any dryness and drought across the Midwest and a benefit to the week coming out of dormancy in the southern plains. In an exception, drought is deepening, though, in North Dakota. This weekend storm will have little to no rain for them. Across South Brazil, moderate to heavy rain continuing while it dries out in the central and north. This is helping immature corn and soybeans in South Brazil, but second crop corn in the central and north will see some unwelcome dryness getting closer to the start of the dry season. A couple of systems will bring showers to South Brazil through the next week and ease their dry weather concerns. Central Argentina has seen frequent moderate to heavy rains the past two weeks. Another system tomorrow will continue the trend into the weekend. The Argentina showers highly beneficial for immature corn and soybeans. Some early harvest, though, may have some disruption due to the rain. I think my favorite part of this entire forecast <laughs> uh, update was 10 degrees above normal in the near future. Yeah, looking very good as we head towards Sunday and even warmer on Monday. It looks like that will be our warmest of the next seven days. And probably look out by the end of next week. Things really looking good uh, by Thursday into the Easter holiday. All right. So more spring-like temperatures on the way yeah. then. And watch everything green up. Hey, that good stuff. All yeah. right. Uh, for more weather information, where can you find that? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you. Did you know that 9 out of 10 cars on the road right now can switch to a higher ethanol blend like E15 and do so today, just as long as the vehicle is 2001 or newer? Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I spoke this morning with Kim Redden. She's Director of Development for the Colorado Corn Administration. as She talked about NCGA's role and the impact of biofuel on the environment. I think biofuels had a big impact and I think really will have an even bigger impact this year. Sure, you know, COVID created a big slowdown about this time last year and it really halted a lot of travel. So, of course, you know, a lot of our ethanol plants across the country that were producing, not producing E15, but ethanol for E15 saw a major slowdown. So, and then I think, you know, we haven't resumed to those levels pre-COVID yet, but I think as we get more folks vaccinated across the country and more people start to resume some of their near normal activities, I'll say, I think that will continue to happen. And then, you know, we're getting a lot of additional 
momentum, I think, now with this new administration and all the conversation about cleaner, clean and renewable energy. And, you know, I'm probably very biased, Susan, but I'd say biofuels are at the top of the list when it comes to renewable energy for this farm girl. Kim, let's go back and do a little bit of educating on what E15 is all about, because everybody knows E10. They don't even think twice about putting it in their vehicles. Exactly. And in in Colorado, we're doing a, a campaign, say, and the slogan for that is, look for the blue host. E15 is literally just 5% more ethanol. And as you pointed out, all 2001 newer and newer vehicles can use E15. It is the most widely tested fuel on the market, Susan, and there are over 20 billion miles that have already been driven on E15 without a single reported case of engine damage or any performance issues. So we know it's safe for consumers. We know it's good for the environment, burns cleaner, reduces tailpipe emissions by 50%. And we're growing it right here in the United States, producing it right here, super good for our economy. So let's talk about growing this product because... Great question. It's processed very similar to the process that's used to make beer. Uh, You know, in fact, if you have the opportunity to watch a video of of how ethanol is made, we've got a great video at lookforthebluehose.com. The tour of an ethanol plant will take you about eight minutes to watch it, but you just don't get the smell-o-vision part of it where you can smell that product being made. And it is very similar to beer or bread. Ferment the corn and it's, you turn it into alcohol and that alcohol, that grain corn alcohol can be used for mixing into other fuel supply. Our current fuel supply is biofuel. You can also get co-products out of it or there are co-products that come from it, which include high protein cattle feed, uh, dairy feed, DDGs. Uh, it also makes a commercial grade corn oil, also, a really cool product that we all know about is dry ice, um, really important, and carbonated uh, CO2 that's used for carbonated veg- uh, carbonated beverages. Excuse me. That's my conversation with Kim Redden with the Colorado Corn Administration on E15. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Jason Jordan back in with us. And, well, in case you haven't heard in the last, uh, well, a couple hours an hour or so, uh, great news if you're a Husker fan. Yeah, fans will be allowed to return to regular season conference sporting events beginning immediately. The decision applies to all remaining events in Nebraska's home athletic venues, starting with this Friday's baseball and softball games. Husker baseball coach Will Bolt says this was a long time in coming. I, I think we were all hopeful that it would that it would come. Uh, I think we were all hopeful that um, as things started to turn around um, with the virus and we know more about it and, and those type of things that, that this day would come, that we would have the opportunity to to have fans um so to say that we expected it not necessarily um it definitely it definitely is uh guess something our guys are going to be very excited about now here's how this will work tickets will be available for baseball softball soccer volleyball and the huskers may for spring game 
Big Ten announced earlier this month it would allow public tickets at conference championship events, which also were slated in gymnastics and tennis in Lincoln. They will start with season ticket holders first, single-game tickets only, and fans will be required to wear face coverings in all Nebraska athletic venues. Nope. It's not perfect, but it's a step in the right direction. I would anticipate this would have to be uh, in the very, very near future, next 24 hours or so. There, I mean, there's games coming up on Friday. Yeah, all tickets also will be uh, mobile. But, uh, of course, if you're a season ticket holder, you'll probably be being contacted, or you already have, by Husker Sports. Speaking of Husker baseball, Cam Chick has been named the Big Ten Baseball Player of the Week. He broke out of an early season slump and feasted on Iowa pitching, going 4 for 8 in the last two games with a couple of home runs, two doubles, and nine RBIs. He needed to get hot. He was hitting under 200. Central Missouri, who ended UNK's run in the Division II Women's NCAA Tournament, moved into the Final Four with an impressive win last night over Belmont Abbey. The Jennies now take on Lubbock Christian tonight. I was struck by watching the game last night, Tyler, there in Columbus, Ohio. They pretty much were playing this in a hotel, in a convention center. It's like they just slapped a court down you know, at the Eunice Conference Center and and let the teams go at it. That's, that's what it was. Well, there's a picture of it yeah. on uh, social media, <laughs> and there's also another picture of, I believe, sometime before, where they had, it was a dance hall yeah. before that. So it's so crazy at that level. And, of uh, course, the, then there was another picture of the arena they're playing the men's Elite yeah, Eight in yeah. for Division Two, and it's it's not equal. It's hard to understand how they couldn't find something, some arena somewhere. I mean, look at the NAIA yeah. uh, Women's Basketball Tournament. That's at a great facility. There weren't any high school gyms available in Columbus, right, yeah. Ohio. Now, I give credit to the NCAA for trying to pull this thing off. Sure. Their golden goose is the men's tournament, which that's the big thing. And then these other tournaments also had to be played, but... That's a bad look. Mm-hmm. It's, that's a bad look. And speaking of the men's Elite Eight tournament, second seed in Northwest Missouri. They will play tonight against West Liberty. That one starts at six. Of course, Bearcats acclaimed titles of late 2017 and 2019. Uh, other Husker big news today as well. Ndamukong Sue sounds like he's going to be returning to Tampa, re-signing a one-year contract there as well as everybody somehow is coming back with Tampa Bay. Unlike the Chiefs, who haven't been able to get everybody else back. No, the full no they are not. So Tampa trying to run it back. So, uh, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Time for midday news. Dave Schroeder has now stepped in the studio, and well, Dave, some uh, new developing news from the Nebraska State Patrol here in uh, South Central Nebraska. Yes, over in the Lincoln County, West Central Nebraska, the troopers with the Nebraska State Patrol have arrested a California man after locating a missing Maine juvenile at a rest area near Brady. A missing persons alert had been issued for the 15-year-old girl in Maine. On Tuesday, NSP received information from the Lewiston, uh, Maine Police Department, that a missing juvenile may be traveling with another person through Nebraska. Well, troopers were able to locate the suspect vehicle at the Brady Rest Area on Interstate 80. The missing juvenile and an adult male were located there. The male, 23-year-old Taylor Hawk of, of California, was arrested for child abuse and contributing to the delinquency of a minor. He was lodged in the Lincoln County Jail. The juvenile is, is in the process of being returned to Maine, and the investigation remains ongoing. 
Facebook is again expanding a data center it is building in the Omaha suburbs. The social media giant said that it will spend an additional $400 million to add another 1 million square feet to the data center that is partly operational southwest of Omaha in Sarpy County. The company estimates it will spend around $1.5 billion total on the project that will now expand from Papillion into Springfield and include 3.6 million square feet. When the project is completed in 2024, Facebook said the data center will employ roughly 300 people. The area already includes data centers for Google, Yahoo, Travelers Insurance, and Fidelity Investments. One produce farm, which was recently named a 2021 Nebraska passport destination, is busy gearing up for the spring and summer seasons. Picaric's Produce, north of Seward in in Butler County, was named one of the 70 stops in this year's program. Ryan Picaric says there's always something to do. So we've got uh, one heated greenhouse and five unheated greenhouses that we're starting to grow vegetables in now. And then we'll do 15 acres about of vegetables out in the field. Uh, right now, we're just growing transplants that will either go into one of the greenhouses or in the field later on. We've got about 14,000 onion plants started. We've got cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, kohlrabi, kale plants started. Well, travelers will have from May 1st through September 30th to visit the attractions and get their stamps. And that's a check of the latest in news. I'm Dave Schroeder. Known as the Pause Act or Proposition 16, it's bringing a lot of heat to Colorado. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I caught up with fellow farm broadcaster Lori Boyer, past president of the National Association of Farm Broadcasting, as we talked about this and what it means to the producers in her state. So it's called uh, PAWS for short, P-A-U-S-E, and it stands for Protect Animals from Unnecessary Suffering and Exploitation. And there's several components that make this up, but I think probably a couple of the biggest causes for concern, and I did go to two of what we call the meet-in events over the weekend on Saturday. It was declared our meet-in day here in Colorado. There were 75 events total that took place, and I went to two of them. And so in discussions with some of the producers that were there and some of our guest speakers from the allied industry and even from our rural area friendly lawmakers is, number one, you would have to wait to slaughter an animal or harvest an animal longer than we normally do. And there are certain clarifications for each animal. But for cows, you would have to wait for that cow to live 25% of its life cycle. So they're averaging about 20 years or so before you can even harvest that animal. Then there is not being able to artificially inseminate, not being able to use tubes for feeding those animals if there's an issue, because you're not supposed to be putting anything into the animal. And then the other component that's really got people kind of up in arms on what's going on here is not being able to gild animals properly, not being able, and not just livestock, but we're also talking dogs and cats and things like that, but not being able to gild those animals, which poses a lot of 
a lot of bad things when it comes to taking care of animals and providing animal husbandry. So I guess that's the bottom line, Susan, is not being able to provide the best animal husbandry we can as producers because of this PAWS Act. So literally, in a nutshell, let's just go back to the tubing aspect. I think it's calving and lambing season. It's cold. It's been raining. It's Mother Nature throws different things at us, which sometimes inhibits an animal at birth. And, you know, sometimes you got to get that warm colostrum in them as soon as mm-hmm. possible. And so what these guys are saying is, nope, let the animal suffer. Yes. Now, whether or not they, and that's, that's bottom line, you're exactly right. Whether or not these legislatures, there's two legislatures, I don't have their names in front of me, that have put this together, they both do reside on the front range, which is the urban corridor of Colorado. Whether or not they're intentionally doing that, I can't tell you. But I really think that there needs to be more of a stakeholder conversation that goes into effect when we're putting these things in. I think you and I would agree and know that sometimes people think they're doing the best things for animals. And we also saw this on a wolf reintroduction ballot here in Colorado, which did pass, by the way. But it's very harmful to agriculture and really harmful to producers. And if people knew what that meant in the end, I think they would second guess. The other big thing about this that I didn't mention, and I think that there are some appointments that are being set to talk to some of these urban legislatures here based on conversations over the weekend is that the cost of our food products is going to go up dramatically because if you can't harvest a cow until they're about 20 years old, a chicken until they're about eight years old, a pig until they're about 15 years old, think of how much more that's going to cost the producer and that will end up, you know, costing us at the grocery store, costing us when we purchase. So what type of reaction, you as a farm broadcaster, what type of reaction have you heard from folks on both sides of the fence on this? Nothing but negative, really. Everybody is is very negative on what's going on with this initiative. The one thing that is coming out of this, though, is not only more awareness on agriculture in general here in the state of Colorado, we are the number two income producing industry in the state for only tourism is ahead of us. So we are the number two and cattle is the number one within the industry. And so there is a lot of backlash, of course, on that. But the positive thing is not only drawing awareness to agriculture in general, but the, and I don't have the dollar amount, I should have that here in the next few days though. The dollar amount of money that was spent on protein products, primarily beef in the last few weeks has been astronomical. (laughs) And they've raised a lot of money. These associations, these events have raised a lot of money that they'll put back into agriculture in the form of scholarships, but also in the form of community programs where they're feeding uh, people who are homeless or people who don't have as much disposable income. And so to point that out in Denver, they had an event that fed the homeless. It was right there. And I say they, it was several ag groups that came together right there in front of the Capitol. They fed 1200 homeless people beef and then of course some other ag products. So it's really been good as far as highlighting the importance of agriculture to Colorado. It's made national. It's made state news. I've talked about this with some other farm broadcasters. So it's really drawn the awareness to Colorado agriculture and has really increased sales and the importance of agriculture. It's just unfortunate that that had to come in the way that it did. And what that means for the future could also be a little concerning. Uh, As your governor has has supported agriculture and has come out um, kind of in response to what our governor said, Oklahoma as well, it is a little daunting on what that could mean for the future of Colorado 
That's my conversation with farm broadcaster Lori Boyer, who's with KSIR Radio out of Fort Morgan, Colorado. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. With the business report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are moving mostly higher, helped by a recovery in banks and industrial stocks. Bond yields were steady after rising earlier this week. Investors continue to turn their attention to Washington, where Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell and Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen spoke about the government's stimulus effort to combat the economic impact of the coronavirus pandemic. The S&P 500 was up seven-tenths of a percent. Banks, which took a beating on Tuesday, were among the best performers. Banks have been volatile the last couple of weeks as investors try to gauge the impact of higher interest rates on the U.S. economy. Orders to U.S. factories for big-ticket manufactured goods fell a sharp 1.1% in February, with demand in a key sector that tracks business investment also dropping. The European Union is moving towards stricter export controls for COVID-19 vaccines to boost its flagging vaccine drive. The EU's executive said on the eve of a summit of the 27 leaders that it has a plan to guarantee that more vaccines produced in the bloc are available for its own citizens before they can be exported to other countries. Chancellor Angela Merkel has dropped plans for a five-day shutdown in Germany over Easter, which had prompted confusion and criticism. She called the idea a mistake and apologized to Germans. Merkel announced the decision after calling a hastily arranged video conference with Germany's 16 state governors who were responsible for imposing and lifting restrictions. Officials say a skyscraper-sized container ship has become wedged across Egypt's Suez Canal and blocked all traffic in the vital waterway. The ship's stranding is threatening to disrupt a global shipping system already strained by the coronavirus pandemic. The Ever Given, a Panama-flagged ship that carries cargo between Asia and Europe, ran aground on Tuesday. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Have you hugged your veterinarian today? It might sound like a sticker that you would see maybe on the back of somebody's vehicle or a sign in front of a vet clinic. But seriously, have you thanked and reached out to your veterinarian lately? There's a reason why I'm asking. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield here on the Rural Radio Network. Over the next couple of days, we're going to be talking about some things that are happening within the veterinarian industry that a lot of folks might not know about. And that's suicide. Did you know the rate of suicide in a veterinary profession has been pegged as close to twice that of a dental profession and more than twice that of somebody who is a medical professional? Dr. Jamie Pribble is a veterinarian. She is with Beringer Ingelheim, and her and I talked about what's silently happening in the veterinarian industry. Sure. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you for, you know, being interested in bringing awareness to to this topic. And, you know, really, veterinarians are, you know, it's kind of ingrained in us, in us to be a caretaker, right? We care about the wellness of our patients and our clients and oftentimes neglect really the the well-being of ourselves so the physical mental spiritual um, and social well-being aspects that contribute to your overall well-being and you know in conjunction with um, 
difficulties and the stresses of the job, the emotions of the job, work-life balance and long hours that all plays a role, you know, in the overall well-being of our veterinarians. What are some things that we can see as maybe warning signs that our veterinarians are struggling? Well, I think, you know, especially for veterinary teams, um, you know, coworkers and, and family members that are working closely with, with veterinarians, it's going to be a, a little bit easier to, you know, notice those, those signs of struggle. And there's similar signs that you would see with, you know, with anyone that is struggling with their mental well-being, And um, that can be, you know, just a change in, a change in their demeanor. Instead of being enthusiastic like they normally were, um, they're more irritable or it's easier to um, run into conflicts with them. Uh, they seem down. Um, and then, of course, the, you know, the serious warning signs are when folks actually verbalize something like, you know, I wish I could go to sleep and never wake up or, um, you know, I'm just really tired of this life kind of things like that. Those would be very serious warning signs that you want to, you know, that you want to, um, you know, help address. But um, really, it's just, you know, noticing changes in attitudes and, and behaviors from the norm for that person. Is it becoming more socially acceptable amongst veterinarians to talk about their feelings? Yeah, I, I think it's a struggle, right? And it's definitely, you know, it's a struggle across the board, not just for veterinarians, but um, for just human beings in general uh, to to talk about, you know, mental well-being and, and mental health and, and suicide. Uh, but definitely, you know, we in the veterinary industry know that the well-being of our veterinary professionals is one of the most important issues facing facing the industry today. That's my conversation with Dr. Jamie Pribble. If you as a veterinarian or a veterinarian staff need help, please call 800-273-8255. I'm Susan Littlefield, Rural Radio Network. Play patent on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check in on the closing grain futures. To do so, we talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. The soybean complex continues to be a tough leader to the top side, but as we see, the wheat market seems to be the short side of spreads. In terms of that spread between corn and wheat, John, what's your thought? Are guys going to start mixing wheat into rations? Yeah, it's already happening in the South Plains. I mean, the folks in the you know, the panhandle there, they're going to have to turn to the wheat market this summer because there just isn't enough supply available to uh, to go around. So I'd imagine you're going to start to see those those back-end spreads widen out here, um, meaning you'll see, uh, you know, July, which is a new crop contract, trade under the December more, but I think the May is actually going to gain some ground here. May's got a little bit of, an, uh, of a carry that I think will get picked up. So we're just washing around short old term old crop bushels in the uh, in the wheat in the beans. It's the opposite. There really isn't anything to to talk any more about. It's the same story. You know, exports are going to be slow tomorrow, but that's only because we don't really have a lot to export. Um, so now it's about port strikes in Argentina, kind of slowing the markets down, strong green oil prices, and then of course uh, you know the supply in South America. Um, we're hearing that it's it's becoming difficult for the buyers down in South America to acquire soybeans. Uh, you know, the, the farmers are a little more in hoard mode now, storing storing bushels where they can, uh, just given the, the prices that have, have really performed. 
Just had a listener send us in a question. They asked, the Suez Canal blockage affecting grain uh, movement any in terms of the Mideast and the Mediterranean? No, I doubt it. I mean, I think there's probably a little bit to it, but they're going to get that solved. I was actually went through the Suez Canal once when I was um, when I was in a uh, in the Navy, and it's just a one way trip. Like you, you got to go one way in, and then everybody meets in a central lake, and then you go one way out. So, like the morning session is everybody going to the lake, and then the af- uh, the evening session is going away from the lake. I got a feeling they're going to probably move this rather quickly. I don't think it's going to be anything that's going to change grain logistics long term, near term. Um, you know, just given that it was a, it was an accident and, uh, but, but I do think logistics poor, you know, the, the freight prices are going up globally and that, in my opinion, is going to drive, you know, keep a foreigner wheat prices for certainly because these, these foreign governments are going to have to buy a lot here in Q2 because they've been holding off with high old crop prices. We're talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. If you'd like to sign up for his daily newsletter this week in grain, which he provides as a free service to understand more about what's going on in the trade and to show some of the services that Daniel Zag Marketing offers, that's at danielzagmarketing.com, danielzagmarketing.com, again, the website to visit. Do remember, though, trading futures and options of all risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. You can catch John Payne again as a podcast when you visit the podcast tab at ruralradio.com or the Daily Market Commentary story. All right, thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of Midday. You can listen to the Midday Podcast sponsored by Deveni Motors. Find out wherever you can find podcasts or krvn.com.